Welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. And welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. No snow for us, which is quite lovely. Oh, I think the rain, though, was a little bit cold, which I'm thrilled about because I just planted about 70 primroses in my yard the other day. And so with the ice coming down on the leaves and the blossoms, I think they're going to last a very, very, very long time. But despite the weather... We get to um, interview one of my favorite guests, Trevor Blake. We've interviewed you once before, Trevor. I think about in August, right when your book first came out, Three Simple Steps. Right. Actually, it was my first ever experience in the studio at that time. Really? Yeah, it was a good start. So how many studios have you been in now? (laughs) I I, I don't know. I've done about 70 radio shows, but I've done TV as well, and that was a... Strange experience. Oh, he's big time now. He's, he's on TV. Time. He oh, is. I need he's to straighten big. up over here. <laughs> Wait, it changed my personality. Yeah, right. It changed your the, personality. After the, after the first show, I watched it back, and they, you know the camera puts twenty pounds on you. So this. Oh my gosh. And after that, I've been doing shows like this. Uh, <laughs> you've been lifting <laughs> I've up been your face. Been talking down my nose at people, sticking, <laughs> making sticking sure out the that there's no yeah. wrinkles in the neck, so to speak. Yeah, yeah changing your exercise program. Things <laughs> I just like look that. very arrogant now. Well, we are delighted to have you again. You know, three simple steps. Your first book, which is one of my favorites. It was a gift to all my mentoring students for the holidays this past um, year. Trevor Blake is a serial entrepreneur with success and success coach who used the ideas in three simple steps, first to escape poverty. Can't wait to share that story again. Then to achieve a life with adventure. He finally turned them toward financial independence and is currently building his third company. He founded QOL, Medical LLC, a specialty pharmaceutical company in 2002, with a few thousand dollars and sold it in 2012 for over $100 million. In 2006, he founded ANU Oncology. This one is my favorite. A uniquely not-for-profit dedicated to developing low-side-effect cancer drugs. He has worked with companies such as Biogen 3M and Lifa. 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 Blake has donated all profits from Three Simple Steps to cancer treatment, research, and development in honor of his mother, who battled the disease for 14 years. In the book, it sounded like 25 years. I mean, just because it was such an intense thing to go through. I mean, it, it feels like it in my in my memory too, because it, I, I was eight years old when she was given six months to live, and I was wow. 22 when she died. So that's you know that feels like a whole life. Oh yeah, of, of watching her, you know, uh, cope with that. But she, you know, she was my real life hero because I never heard her complain once. She always found ways to make life fun around that situation. Wow! Uh, with simple things, really, and that's wow. why I de- you know in the in the dedication to three simple steps, she's the she's the first dedication, of course. Right, and because she inspired you, you know, as you a- said, absolutely. She's All your my success hero. in business is down to something she told me when I was younger. Wow! When I face a challenge, that little voice comes in your head, and you think, you know, what would she have done? <laughs> <laughs> and it's always a good answer, right? It's uh, always the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having spent hours in the library as an adolescent reading biographies of successful men and women, Blake has committed to donating a copy of his book to every library in the United States and hopes that these copies will inspire today's youth to take control of their lives. So welcome back to the show. It's Thank lovely you. to have Thank you. you. It's my pleasure. That last bit has been the most rewarding of all of us. Really? It has found its way into the hands of some 13, 14-year-old children who were wow. suffering from the same things I suffered from, you know, intense bullying at the time, and they... It feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders because you, you're not ed, you're not educated enough to cope with it at, at that age, mm-hmm. and uh, and the books help them get out of that 
because wow. I found someone who was in the same situation and look, he got out. So therefore I can too. So that, you know, if, if I got nothing else out of writing the book, it sort of has achieved its goal, I think, just with those emails. Wow, you know. that, that's amazing. That's How many libraries are there in the U.S. anyway? Uh, well, there's 8,000 main ones. So, oh. so I sent 8,000 wow. out. Um, wow. And most of the libraries kept them. I did, I did find a few libraries sell them on. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I and I found that. that out because they sold them on it. It was into someone else's hand and they gave me feedback saying it had helped them. So I don't suppose it matters. I guess not, right, however it gets there. Yeah, I've had people, um, I I don't know, the libraries, I guess, are just picking up sometimes intuitive um, self-healing, but have people tell me that they check it out at the library. I'm like, really? Mm, Very cool. But 8,000 main libraries, that's good to know. Um, So hopefully if you live near one of those 8,000 main libraries, you can go and check out Three Simple Steps. So uh, I don't know if this is the first step or the second step or the third step at that thing about getting quiet in the morning, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I think that is such an incredible way of, well, scientifically, you think it's important for the neurotransmitters so you can be creative and and allow a lot of magic in your life. But I think it just makes life so much easier and happier. It it does. It has many, many benefits. I included it in the three simple steps because it's the second step, which is where people feel stuck. They want a great idea in order to change something. Mm-hmm. And how do you find a great idea? And so it's a so technique. So it's the second step? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, yes, I'm, be- yes. I'm behind here, you, yes. You, actually, you, get a, you, get a, you get an F for that yeah, one. Yeah, I get an F. That's right. <laughs> so it, it's, it's... Oh, but an A for effort. I mean, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll be generous today. It's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll be yeah. nice. All right. <laughs> so it's a case of, um, you know... Trying to find good ideas, you need to do mm-hmm. something. And I, and I noticed in the historical biographies, people like Ford and, and Samuel Colt, they all had this very, very simple technique, which I avoid using words like meditation, but it's a form of meditation. It's right. like the center of meditation. It's like, right. it's like trans- center of transcendental meditation is what it is. But they didn't know that. Right. And I didn't know that when I started. Right. I've learned that since. And it's just a question of taking time out and sitting quietly for 20 minutes in the morning. And scientifically now we can show what happens. And what, what it is is the opposite of what most people think. Most people think that's quieting down or slowing down or, you know, slowing the brain down. It's none of those things. It's the only time during our waking hours that we allow our brain to work at its full speed, mm. undistracted. Mm. And there's 100 billion neurons making more connections than all the cell phones on the planet. Right. And you just let it do it. <laughs> and it does it on your behalf. But the, if you think about if you, your normal day when you don't do that first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. then most people have the habit of jumping out of bed, immediately grabbing their cell phone, right. answering getting text. online. And we think that's productive. But right. in order to coordinate my fat thumbs on a little keyboard, the brain has to really slow down or, uh-huh. to, or to coordinate the muscles for my voice to transmit my thoughts to, to words. The brain has to work incredibly slowly. So we spend our whole day turning our brains to mush, if you like. So, so I, we switch that around in step two and say, OK, for the first 20 minutes, just do nothing. Just sit, right. do nothing. And you have all of these health benefits and all the rest of it. But the, but the main thing I was aiming at is you'll start to have these breakthrough ideas that seem to come from nowhere. It's really true. It's And, and what I love is that you, the way you describe it, it's not meditation. Because meditation to me is a little bit stressful. I, I know that sounds silly, but you're trying to have this really amazing moment. You know, you're, you're trying to hear the voice of creation or see your spirit guides <laughs> or know your life path. You, there's a stress when it comes to meditation, I believe. I, I think also you need, you need a good teacher if you want to mm-hmm. learn meditation because your, your aim is probably more enlightenment than it is right. just trying to get on with your life. It, it's really about being present. <laughs> right. and, and this technique actually allows you to do that. Whether and anyone can do it. Absolutely. Whether your eyes are open or closed, I pick um, my I pick up my favorite tea in the morning and I, I sit in my living room and many times I look out just, I know you close your eyes when you do yours, I believe, but I just look out at my driveway and the flowers and the cats that are going crazy first thing in the morning and I'm just completely delighted and in bliss. And yes, I do get really great ideas. And it's they can pop creative. up all during the, they can come all through the day, day, but they also 
can happen right there in that moment. And I come out of it sometimes just so excited. I can't wait to do whatever I've just thought about. Wow. Um, you know, I get more emails probably about this aspect than the other steps simply because it, it, it does change people's lives very quickly. Very quickly. Because you can yeah. start it tomorrow with no training. Right. And you can have the benefit straight away. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. It's very powerful. Really. Right. And what I've noticed, too, is that when I, when I forget to do this exercise or I'm too busy and I don't put it into my morning schedule, my, my day is a little bit more challenging. If I've mm-hmm. done this exercise, the resolution to any problem that may happen throughout the day is easily afforded me. And when I don't do this exercise, it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I get caught out because my wife tells the difference in my demeanor. Did so she, she will really? say sometime in the afternoon, you didn't take quiet time today, did you? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I've been hiding the fact all day, <laughs> thinking I can get away with it. Right. So, so she can see the change in, in how I am that day, and just because been, I didn't do it. And you've been doing this since you were a teenager. Uh, no, uh, consistently probably from the age of about 21, mm. uh, when I felt really stuck. Mm. And uh, and I thought, well, if it worked for Henry Ford and all of these people, who am I to right. say it's not going to work for me? Well, and, and I just did it. You know? And Mr. Ford would drive his car to some beautiful, you know, gorgeous forest area or park area and just sit there for 20 minutes, especially when he had a problem. He knew that he, if he tried to figure it out, it wasn't going to happen. But if he just found nature. Right. The minute you let go. Yes. Because, and and then, he encouraged all his workers to do the same thing. He was very much into having them also be more than just sitting on the production line doing the job. Mm, mm. Which is something that you also enjoyed. Um, it's, I think it's a Japanese form of practice. Kaizen? Is that how? Kaizen. You? Yeah. Kaizen. Yeah. And you actually introduced this into the European market at some point with some companies. I mean, I can't, claim, I can't claim the credit for that because it's actually an American creation. Really? So it was three American management consultants who went to Japan after the war and tried to get Japan back on its feet, and they needed to do it quickly before the people starved to death. And they found a way of changing the, the, the mechanism of working with the manufacturing to the point where they, they gave empowerment for decision-making to everybody in a, in a company or a, or, a, or a unit or an institution, mm-hmm. which doesn't really happen because everywhere else it's a pyramid of decision-making, and the guy at the top makes a final choice. So it gave empowerment to people to take quality control of their lives at any situation and to take responsibility for everything that could be right or wrong in a situation and improve it. And it's a great way of living. Uh, and so in when I was working in Europe, I started to introduce this um, to the companies I was working with. And, and it was so, so productive. And people got so empowered and so excited about their jobs. They were, they went from hating going in in the morning to, you know, excited to go in and, 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 and be more productive, that it got transferred to different divisions and then across the globe to to uh, america not to 3m in america i was working at 3m at the time um but it's a it's a it's very much about um um, having the power as the individual to take control of your workplace right and and that a lot of what's happening isn't just about the higher ups but how can you make the changes too right and and you end up making the higher ups look better (laughs) because (laughs) because everything improves it's it's a process of continuous improvement and i think you take it into your personal life too if you can live that way, that you're constantly trying to improve both your mind and your heart and all the rest of it, then you're likely to have a slightly more enjoyable life. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that enjoyable life is definitely step one, where you stop listening to negative talk, media. I mean, I do not watch the news. I'm, in fact, I'm always shocked. Like today, I did listen to the radio when I was driving in instead of a CD. And I was shocked by all the things that I heard that actually did not make me happy um, <laughs> as I was driving in that are happening even in my own ha- home area. You know, I'm like, oh, great. This is... Not uh, this is not helping me to have a productive moment in in the car. I think you have to learn to to protect yourself from the emotional attachment to those news headlines. True. I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to the news headlines or even even reading the news, so long as you don't become emotionally attached. Because the 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 um, dilemma with all this is, of course, that thoughts are energy, 
And whether you believe in energy, you don't believe it doesn't matter. Energy is physics. The laws of physics apply. So energy always has the potential to be equivalent and interchangeable with matter. Mm -hmm. And so when you watch something happen on the news, let's say you watch a car crash. Your thoughts are not about the stranger you'll never meet in a place you'll never go to. Your thoughts about, oh, what would I feel like if that happened to me? Or what would I feel like if that was my daughter? Right. And those thoughts have gone out to the universe and they have the potential to come back and become your reality. So you have right. to be aware of that connection. And, and once you're aware of it, I think you're halfway there because then you can see the, you can see the news. You can have that immediate thought because thoughts happen so fast. There's no such thing as positive thinking because the thoughts are instantaneous. You mm -hmm. can't help it. If I say to you, think of a giraffe, don't think of a giraffe wearing pink pajamas. Too late. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've had that thought. So, so after you've had that thought of, oh, isn't that awful? How would I feel if that was my family? or in my situation, you immediately have to have a positive thought and think of yourself in a great situation with your family, walking hand in hand on a, on a beach with mm -hmm. the most successful and you successful, whatever mm -hmm. it may be in your mind, but you have to counteract that immediate negative thought. I think it's hard for people to not be emotionally connected. That's why I don't mind reading the news on Yahoo. That's kind of my news source. I get like five, ten minutes a day. I kind of know some current events that are occurring around the world. But when I listen to it on the radio... That's challenging when I hear someone else's voice and the flexion of their emotion as they're talking about a horrible, tragic event. That part is challenging for me. So yeah. I think, you know, if we can stay away from news for a lot of people, because I don't think we I don't think it really protects us to know all the dangers out in the world. And I think that's one of the reasons why people listen to news is, well, if I know about the crime that's happening in my area, then I'm going to be safer because I'm going right. to know to watch out for this guy or or this person or that bank, you know, or, or whatever the deal is. But I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that people do exactly yeah. what you said. They conjure up emotionally um, negative thoughts and then they actually can put themselves in those predicaments more uh, a lot easier than if they weren't listening or watching or whatever it is for that individual. I think it's challenging to turn off the emotion. It is. I, I always recommend people go cold turkey for a couple of weeks yeah. and see how you feel. Right. And you have so much more energy after that a couple of weeks. You feel liberated and you think, well, I can't understand why. And it's because you have your, your, you know, the latest neuroscience data shows that the brain works more like a muscle than we ever realized. So the mm -hmm. more you expose it to a daily dose of news, mm -hmm. the more it wants to be exposed to a daily dose of news. And you do get these people who are completely fixed on the Fox News bulletin. They can't mm -hmm. imagine life without that. I, right. I, I grew up with a family who were obsessed with BBC News <laughs> and still are. Right. And, you know, because they believe it's gospel. Right. It's got to be, it can't possibly be a thing called British propaganda, right? So right. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's their mentality. And, 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 you, and only when you break that connection for a period of time and then, and then reflect on how you feel now, right. do you then realize, you've, you've learned the lesson. And so then when you go back to it, it's less attractive to you, but you also become less emotionally attached to mm -hmm. it. So I am not saying ignore it all completely and bury your head in the sand. Right. If you want to, that's fine. I've never read, a, I haven't read a newspaper in 15 or 20 years. I don't watch <laughs> yeah. the news per se, but I do the right. same thing See, as you do. See, the truth comes I, out. Yes. I read the headlines. Right. You know, Just the headlines. That's, that's enough. enough, right? Yeah. I've got it to that point. Right, right. That's lovely. And so that's step number one. And step number two is the favorite part where, my favorite part anyway, where you spend 15 to 20 minutes. I mean, you do recommend the 20 minutes, but 15 minutes is, can be plenty of time as well. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I find 20 minutes is, is plenty of time. It's a long time. It's a long time. I'm um, telling you, there are days where I get up and I go and look at, because I don't have a clock in the living room, and I go up into the kitchen to look at the clock, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was only seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I have to I did force. That this morning, did you do that this morning? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it was like, yeah, 15 minutes can be a long time. And I was like, get back. Go on. Go. Yeah, right. Go sit down again. <laughs> right. What it I've, is a long time. It is a long time. And what I've also noticed is doing this in the morning also for some reason, now I do want to meditate in the evening. I want to just sit quietly. There's something about being quiet that my being is more comfortable with now and feels 
energized by. And that was one of the first experiences that I've had. I don't know if you've heard this from all the people that you've talked about since your book's been published is I felt my energy in my body increasing significantly the very first couple of weeks that I uh, started doing the, the second step. I could actually feel my organs getting energized. So have you heard comments about yes, that? Yes. Uh, and I def- I'm blessed that I get these emails from all around the world now because we did a, I say we, the publishers did an airport promotion. So people were picking the book up as they were flying back to oh, Asia I or something like that. that. So I got yeah. all the, I wasn't expecting that. I hadn't thought that through. It's very nice. And the emails are not one or two lines, and you're probably getting the same thing. They're almost life stories, and they're, they're two or three right. pages of what's happened since they've been doing this for the last two weeks. Wow. Uh, and and they talk about energy a lot, and they also talk about they feel fitter, they mm-hmm. they sleep better, mm-hmm. uh, all of these benefits, which were not the intention of the exercise, but I I knew those would be the benefits. Wow. Of course, because I've had them myself. But but all, but then of course they also come back with, and I've had these great ideas that I can't believe I've not had before what you know where have I been for the last 20 <laughs> right. years and, and that's just so energizing because then they wake up and they get out of their you know they get out of their, their quiet time or they, or they wake up the next day really excited about what the future holds because now they can see a map right they, they can, they can the see the plan and, and I, I must say you know I had to plan my day differently to get up 15 to 20 minutes earlier in, it's really half an hour by the time I get some tea and you know it's really half an hour of time that I need to wake up earlier and at, at first I was actually grumpy about it you know I'm like <laughs> gosh dang it but I felt that because I was going to interview you and I've met you before and so, so I really trusted your advice I thought okay I have to give this a chance so I was I actually was quite grumpy but now it's just automatic you know my body can't wait as you just described to get up, run to the kitchen, grab my tea, and just, I'm, I'm trying to get all the, you know, because you're not supposed to do anything, but I'm trying to you know, feed the cats because otherwise they're going to drive me crazy, yeah, okay. right, before I sit on the couch, but trying to get through all of those quickly because I cannot wait to have that moment of downtime. And when I say, you know, you're not supposed to do anything, I, I don't mean things like feeding the cats, like that, <laughs> unless you've got talking cats. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but it, but it, most people will get up and they'll flick on the TV or the radio right. or, uh, or, or go to their email. And the minute you do that, you've, lo- you've lost because your brain has now reconnected to all of that. And it's right. very hard to break that connection a second time. Right. So, so by waking up, you haven't actually tripped, made that mistake. Uh, and so, I, so you can make a cup of tea and you can watch the sunrise and all of those things and then do it. But what you can't do is engage with the world and then try and do it because it won't really help. It won't help. Right. Uh, so that, that's the key thing. So I make a cup of tea as well. So you make a cup of tea too? Yeah. And I know sometimes you go outside. I, I guess you're not right now because it's a little chilly here in the Northwest, but you have a sitting area outside. I do, actually. I love the rain. I'm a bit weird really? like that. Yeah. So if, you're, I, you're bundled up, all snuggly. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I... You know, at the risk of getting arrested for saying this, if it didn't, if I didn't think it would send my neighbors to therapy, I'd, I'd be <laughs> naked in the rain. <laughs> I'd walk around the garden naked in the rain. I just think it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, oh, just that's really lovely. So that's I do great. like to go out in the rain and meditate. Actually, oh, or, that's or really beautiful. Time. That's I'm, great. That may change the view of the show after that comment, but <laughs> <laughs> we're right here in the studio. We'll, we'll add that to that that second step. It, I, apologize, not I apologize to everybody for that image at nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'm interviewing Trevor Blake, the author of Three Simple Steps. We'll be right back. Marie is headed to the East Coast this March to present and sign copies of Intuitive Self-Healing at a variety of venues. Her first stop will be Asheville, North Carolina at Malaprop's Bookstore, Tuesday, March 19th at 7 p.m. March 20th and 21st, she will be making her way to the Alchemist Bookstore in Richmond, Virginia for a book signing and workshop. Then on March 22nd, Marie will be in Charlottesville, Virginia to present at the Virginia Festival of the Book. She will then finish her trip in Charlottesville on March 23rd with a workshop on intuitive health. 
Find out more about these events and others in 2013 at energyintuitive.com. Wisdom Within is a new talk radio show featuring psychic medium and healer Lindsay Paul and animal intuitive and healer Shauna Fisher. From your lunch break to vacation, from your car to your kitchen, from despair to newfound awareness. Join this enthusiastic duo as they fearlessly tap into the depths of wisdom and help you soar to new heights by answering your ultimate questions. Get your weekly dose of spirituality with a kick of reality rolled into one hour. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Get out of your head and tune into your soul. Have you experienced a traumatic event such as a car accident, rape, or combat? Do you have anxiety, upsetting memories, or sleep problems? Confidential help is available. The University of Washington Center for Anxiety and Traumatic Stress is seeking participants for a study on psychological reactions following trauma. Eligible participants receive no-cost evaluation and counseling or counseling plus medication nine months of follow-up, and up to $300 in compensation. Participants must be 18 or older. For more information, please contact 206-685-3617. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing from Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health, and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. Time for something different. Time for Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Marie and Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. No rain like we're noticing that Virginia is experiencing right now. I'm a little bit anxious because I'm going to be there in about 10 days and looking at Alyssa like, okay, we're going to need boots, maybe chains because we have to drive back and forth from Richmond to Charlottesville like what, four or five times? About that. Yeah. So I'm just a little bit nervous. So we're sending positive light to Virginia. And if North Carolina is affected, too, we're sending light there because we're going to be there as well. Um, so Trevor Blake, our wonderful author, he wrote a beautiful book, Three Simple Steps. And and you started, really, because I remember re- reading the book. I, I love the book. Everyone will love it because it's a really great story, a rags-to-riches story, if you will, because um, your family truly did live in extreme poverty uh, in England and very extreme poverty with your mother ill on top of it. And I remember you talking about ha- taking quiet time when you were being bullied in school and listening to the rain hitting the roof or um, something of that nature and how that was really the beginning of you having your quiet time. I, I think nature played a huge part in, in how my life turned out because I, I started out in Liverpool's inner city, which is like downtown Los Angeles. Uh, wow. You know, South Central, whatever they call mm-hmm. that. It's pretty rough. It's, it's a beautiful rough. city with, it with is. people who have uh, a, a, um, a tremendous wit to cope with their difficulties. But it's a working class city, as they call it in the UK. Uh, but most people don't work. They're, on, they're unemployed. So it's really, really a, a welfare <laughs> city. It used to be in my day. I should apologize. There might be some Liverpoolians out there who would argue with me now because it's, it's, it's come on in, t- in time. But back in, the seven, back in the 60s and 70s, it was pretty poor. And out of all that poverty came, came a, uh, you know, this great um, 
thirst to express. So terrific writers, poets, and of course, great musicians. I was I was there during the Beatles era, of course. Um, but my we were evicted from our home. We lived in a two bedroom, uh, we call them a flat, uh, an apartment above a shop next to a railway line, and uh, we got evicted from there. Under we escaped under cover of darkness out to. In those days, you could put everything in the back of a truck and you could go 60 miles and disappear, which is what my father did to escape the creditors. And <laughs> right. Uh, and and we, found, we ended up in this derelict farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, which was stuck in time. I mean, I mean that village didn't get electricity to 1956. Wow. It didn't get phone lines till 75. It wow. was that type of place. Now, it must have been a nightmare for my parents, but I was too young to think about of that. Of course, I'm sure was it was heaven. I was so excited. Of course. <laughs> it was like Chronicles yeah. of Narnia. Oh. It was a fantasy playland for me. And, oh. uh, and that helped me so much. And my mother was, was just a, a lover of nature. So she had, my mother had, had a, a really good uh, trick to cope with how she was dealing with her cancer that she taught all of us. And it was because uh, at one time I, I asked her, you know, are you scared of dying? And everyone else was, was afraid of talking about the cancer or death. But I was fascinated by it and how right. she felt about it. And she didn't mind me asking. I knew that. And, and she tried to explain it to me uh, in, 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 in terms that, I, that would make me think differently. And she, and she said she's not scared of dying, but she's scared of dying too soon. She right. said, I'm not, I don't want to die before I, I've done my job as a, as a mother. So that was number one. And I said, well, you know, dad says you've only got six months to live. And she says, well, that's a long time. How long is six months? And I said, well, six months. She said, no, how many, how many hours is that? How many days is that? How many seconds is that? And I tried, I was always good at math, but I couldn't, you know, eight years old, I was <laughs> doing this. I couldn't work it out, but she said something like, it's more than 15 million seconds. Wow. But it's much more than that, she said. So I said, well, what do you mean it's more than that? She said, because all of the moments that are in those 15 million seconds. And she said, Count like we do when we're afraid of a thunderstorm. We count between the lightning and the thunder to see how far it is away. And so you go 1,001, 1,002. And I think they said, you know, if it was seven, if you got to seven, it meant it was a mile away. Wow. And then you could count again. And if it was five, it was coming to you. And if it was 10, it was going away. And that's how you got through the thunderstorm. And, and so I, go, I said, okay, 1,001. And she said, well, how many moments is that? And I said, well, one. She said, no, there was the moment you spoke, the moment you heard your own voice. The moment you looked in my eyes, the moment, moment you, you smiled, breathed. the moment you breathed, the wow. moment your heart ticked, all wow. of those magical moments contained yeah. in one second. So imagine how much fun we're going to have in the next <laughs> six months. But you've got to point out the moments to me. And, and at that point, we all started pointing out everything. You know, wow. When we saw a flower budding, we'd point it out. Or when we saw a drop of rain, we'd point to the drop of rain. You know, just, and she made, it was a great point that has been very useful to me all my life because people talk about well, what does it mean to live in the moment. And I, I just think if you live as well as you can in this moment, your chances of having a better future are probably going to be better than if you don't. I, I completely agree. It, it exponentially expands everything. And talk about expanding. We have a caller on the line. Who do we have, Benny? We do. We have a Paul uh, expanding his horizons, and he's calling in from Brussels. So we will uh, bring him on real fast. So if you haven't uh, gotten the number, it's 877-825-8828 for Marie's show. If you'd like to give us a call and have also a conversation with Trevor Blake. And uh, we have Paul. Welcome to the show. The following audio is via a Skype call. Yeah, hello, thank you. Hi, guys. Hi, hi, Trevor. Hi, Marie. Hi, How Paul. are you? Hello, great. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so, Trevor, I had a question um, with regard to the writing of, of, of your book, because I'm currently writing, or I'm starting to write a book right now, and I was wondering uh, whether you could share your experience uh, in terms of a routine uh, while writing uh, Three Simple Steps. Um, did you, uh, and to what extent you would say that the quiet time you had every morning was, or was instrumental, or to what extent it helped you writing the book? That's a great question, Paul. Thanks. And actually, I, you live in a beautiful place. I've been to Brussels a few times. I played soccer there in my youth. Absolutely, love a beautiful city. But um, 
I, you, I couldn't imagine writing three simple steps without taking the quiet time because because a lot of the words when when I read back what I'd written I wondered where some of the where, where those words came from I didn't think they came out of my mind and they probably came out of my heart which which you can only access I think by taking quiet time but before I started writing three simple steps I wanted to write it many many years ago but I felt that there are so many self help books out there that are written by people whose only taste of success is the fact that. They, they've written a book that for some reason catches on. There's a lot of inauthenticity in self-help. I wanted to write an authentic book. And for it to be authentic, I had to be able to stand up and say, okay, this is how it's worked and I can show you. You know, after I sold my second company, I felt that gave me the credibility. And, and as, I, as I had the idea to write the book, then of course, because I'm taking quiet time and because I'm using the three simple steps in my life, that's really the only advantage I've ever given myself. I, I, I've, be, I've learned to be aware of things around me, look for synchronicity in all things. And, and, and almost the next day, um, I was listening to a radio show on, on online, Radio 4. It's a British uh, radio show, and they have some fantastic uh, information. And there was a, uh, an African writer, an authoress, very, very uh, wonderful uh, woman, and she teaches about how to write. And she said something I'd never even thought of, and she said, when you want to write, just start anywhere, Pre- preferably start in the middle with, with, the, with the story that's closest to your heart. And then the book will flow out from that, and eventually it'll have a form, and eventually it'll get structured. And I thought that was great advice because it got got me over that. How do I start this? Uh, and so the the story that was closest to my heart turned out to be chapter one, but it, but in my mind it was probably in the middle of the book. And I, so I wrote the story about my mother's fight with cancer and how how powerful a mother's love can be, and it, you know it can can put off cancer for fourteen years. It can that that unshakable belief can achieve anything. And and I'd seen what unshakable belief looked like, and that was important to me. So I just started with a story that was powerful in in my heart, and the and the rest just takes care of itself. But most people don't start because they're thinking about how should it be structured from the very first moment. Right, right. A- absolutely. I, th- I think you have to just let that happen, right? And then the structure comes together. I'm so excited for you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I'm, uh, it's, it's very, very recent uh, sort of insight, but uh, I'm extremely, uh, extremely delighted. And uh, it, it's fun. It's fun. It's really fun. Um, thank you, Trevor. That's a great, uh, great piece of advice. Um, and Mary, just a quick little question for my um, heart chakra. I've been feeling some sort of knot. Yeah, you know, I wrote out your energy while you and Trevor were having a little chat. And uh, your heart chakra is mushy. It's quite mushy, actually. I know that sounds weird. It's beautiful green. It fills your entire chest cavity because you're highly empathic. But the energy is mushy. And I noticed um, some contracted energy in your lower back as well. I don't know if you're having any back pain. Um, but it, what, what it tells me is that you're overcompensating, like you're being too compassionate. And I think to some family members, and I'm not asking you to be mean to your family by any stretch of the imagination, but perhaps look at, are you giving too much? Or perhaps it's a close circle of friends because it's it's not allowing you to really put the energy in yourself as much. It's distracting you mentally. And I think it's creating um, not as much strength of energy in your heart chakra. So is that making sense to you? Absolutely. Completely. Okay. Yes. So some yes. great, you know, some great... Um, Oh, constraints, realizing that everyone's just fine. We can't change everyone. We can't heal everyone. People heal themselves, and they change themselves when they're ready and want to. And all you can do is love them, and you're great at that. And I would just not give too much because you need your energy for yourself to create your new life. You're super excited about it, and uh, you need to put all your energy into that for now. They'll benefit from it anyway, ultimately, as, of course, um, so will you and many others. Okay, okay, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Yes, have a great day. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. 
All right, let's uh, move on. I think we have time for one more call. We'll take, uh, let's stay local here. We'll take Natalie. She's calling in from Tuckwilla, Washington. And it looks like uh, how to know when to take on an inspired action. Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah, Natalie, welcome to Marie's show. Thank you so much. Two of my favorite people in the same. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Same studio. Same studio. How exciting. What, What a surprise today. And to find out that Trevor Blake's on the radio, I, I got the book uh, when I heard uh, your interview last time on Marie's show and have been practicing my quiet time. Um, I have to say I have to feed two kids <laughs> before two I cats? start. Uh. <laughs> no cats, but... <laughs> the kids. <laughs> kids. And, and I, at the time that I, when I actually do take... The, the quiet time is actually quite magical. I, I, I feel totally transformed for the day, very much calmer, and just it's, it's very, it's excellent, excellent exercise and practice to highly recommend it to everyone. <laughs> but so, my question, oh, go ahead. Yes, so the question is about how do you um, get inspired to take action? And I think that's a really great question because I'm one of those people, I don't ask for help very often. I'm, I definitely do everything myself. I mean, thankfully, I have a wonderful assistant who takes care of a lot yeah, of stuff for me. Yeah, we're working with you on that one. Yeah, right? It's, <laughs> it's not my favorite thing, and it's a hard thing to do. And yet, in your book, you talk about you, you will lose nothing by asking questions at the very least. And so how would you help? I mean, action isn't just about asking for help. It has many, many aspects to it. How would you encourage someone to do that? Um, I, you know, to take action requires motivation, and people get their motivation from different sources. Um, my motivation probably came more from a desire to prove people wrong than, <laughs> than to, to get approval. Because because everybody That's doubted funny. me. Absolutely everybody. They they made fun of me, doubted me, because I made the mistake of telling people what I planned to do, you know. Right. And I've learned not to do that now, of course. But uh, Oh, no, so, I think it's a great so, idea. So it's a strong, it doesn't matter where your motivation comes from, but mm. you do have to be honest with yourself and understand what mm. that motivation is. So, uh, you know, if you, if, if you're desperate for recognition, that's great. That's a fantastic source of motivation. Uh, in, in my case, it's, it was something slightly different. And that gave me just enough to get over the edge. But the key thing always with everything, and I come across this in business, small businesses particularly, um, or, or people who have this great idea about, you know, I'd love to start this company. And then it stops at that point. And, and what I recommend to people is when you have a great idea, you go out and incorporate it. You spend $100, you go online, you make it into a real company, you get the title of CEO. And people say, well, that, you know, it's just an idea. But what happens then is because you've taken an action, what happens is a week later you get a package in the mail and it has the title of your company in big headlines and it has you as CEO <laughs> and, it, and you put it on your desk. And so every morning, instead of going you know, onto your emails and doing what, what you're normally doing, which you're trying to get away from, you see where your future is right in front of you and it makes you think about it every day. And so the key thing is when you have a great idea or there's something that you really want is take some small action that allows you to continue to pay attention to that, whatever wow. that may be. Wow. And, 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 that really get, and, you, and it starts to build momentum. It's like starting with a little snowball. At least, you, know, you could be standing in the snow saying, well, how do I have fun here? Well, at least pick up a little bit of snow and make a snowball. And after that, it takes care of itself. Wow. So, so Natalie, what do you think motivates you? Because that's the answer. That's part of the recipe is to find something that motivates you. Well, for me, I think the biggest is, is doing something that I'm really passionate about and, I, and something I really like. Not, I've been wanting to start a blog. I always think, you know, I have to find out, come up with a perfect, you know, perfect name for it and then perfect content. And then I just recently, I think after rereading 
a lot of books, realize that I just need to do, like you said, just to, for something that I really like, like write one little pose, you know, just start anywhere. <laughs> because that's my biggest problem is I, I, it's, I, it's stuck in my head. So I have this idea, a dream, but it, it, it's hard for me to get to the actual physical action and actually, you know, making it happen. <laughs> so, you know, so that's, a key thing with, the, you know, doing radio shows and TV and all this of it is, is alien to me. I, you know, before August last year, I'd never thought, I, well, I had imagined it, but I'd never done it, actually done it. And, and people keep telling me that it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's about your passion. I think the same is true of blogs. Because I read a lot of blogs, and some of them are written so perfectly, but there's nothing in, there's no heart in it. Right. And I can read a blog that, that some, you can tell this person is not very good at, at, at writing the English language or, or whatever, like, whatever uh, blog it's in, but there's so much fire and passion in what they're trying to get over that you come away with a message. Wow. And, and so it's, it, you, know, it, you don't have to be an English major or, or a marketing designer in order to have a really good blog. I think you, if you have something to say, something you think people need to hear or read, you just, just put it out there. And you'll get tremendous feedback. And the same thing happened with three simple steps. And, you know, and I'm not a very good writer, but, but I, I have a message. And that comes through really strongly, mm-hmm. I think. I it does. I completely agree. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I, I've been thinking a lot about motivation because I think what motivated me to make my own business was I had at that time become a single parent. And I didn't want to work in the hospital anymore. And I wanted to be home. And that's what motivated me to knock on doors and and push things forward. And so do you think that after a while we have to reevaluate our motivation as well? I think it changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, I, no, I no longer have a need to prove people wrong because, you know, I'm, I, to, to their eyes, I'm sitting on top of a... My, my, my brother once said, it's okay for you. You sit on top of a hill in a throne commanding the world to do your bidding. And, and I, I thought it was the best compliment anyone could ever really? pay Because that's, that's the three simple <laughs> steps right there. It wasn't meant as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> but because that's how they see me now, then, uh-huh. I, then, then I no longer have to prove myself, I guess. So my motivation is slightly different now. I, I probably am more motivated to make a difference. I am more right. motivated to make a difference in other people's lives. Right. Uh, and, and that probably gives my ego a little boost every time I get a nice email or a nice call. <laughs> and it's less different. But, but it doesn't really matter where you are. So long as you can be honest about what really turns you on, why Absolutely. you want to do something. Absolutely. Once you get that honesty, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll start something. That's really lovely. Well, we're going to take another break here on Marie Manu Cherry Show. I'm interviewing Trevor Blake. He's the author of Three Simple Steps, A Map to Success in Business and Life. Shows you how to take control of your destiny and reshape your mind. We'll be right back. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2013. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. 
Manson Mitchell welcome Nancy Harold, an expert in how to bring love into your life on Friday morning. And on Saturday morning, George Beam returns to survey the pop culture landscape of America. If it can be read, seen, or heard, George is in the know. Then Mickey Jacobs offers intuitive insight into meeting your angels and spirit guides. Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. isn't just any beat it's the actual heartbeat of a child in need this is ryan tedder from one republic the beat of our new song feel again was created with heartbeats of children in need find out how it can help frontline health workers save millions of children at everybeatmatters.org brought to you by save the children and the ad council are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life marie offers a variety of cds to help you do just that Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Get a grip on life with Alternative Talk 1150. Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. I'm interviewing author Trevor Blake. His book, Three Simple Steps, isn't a new age text to guide or to esoteric fulfillment. It's an incredible success that helps you with the basic ideas to create a wonderful life, um, which you were able to do even before you even... I think you were doing this from a very early age. I know I keep bringing that back to you, and, <laughs> and you keep arguing with me a little bit, um, but I really think you've been doing this since a very young age. Even when you got into that lovely uh, military academy years ago, was it for the Navy? And, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you weren't supposed to get into it. You didn't have the credentials. Well, people said that. They, yes. They, they... And your mother fully believed that you would get in. She was your cheerleader. I mean, she just, she just knew it. Uh, she just had a very strong, positive, optimistic point in life, and she, and you so much wanted to be a part of that lifestyle at the time. Anyway, it was a goal for you, and she saw you succeed, and you did. Well, I, I one of my earliest memories of my mother's is when we lived in that uh, that uh, uh, flat above the shop that I was I was talking about earlier. I had a little back garden, and and in England, everybody pegs out their washing to dry. They don't do it here, unfortunately. But when it when your clothing dries, it has that lovely fresh air smell. Yes. So everybody does it. Yeah, uh, but it but it makes the place look ugly because uh, <laughs> thousands of houses with washing hanging out. But um, uh, so I remember my one of my earliest memories is my job was to hold the peg back, and, and she would reach down for the pegs and put. And, and as she put it, she what she she said to pens, me, yes. I was complaining because everybody else had a bike and I didn't have a bike. Uh. And, and she said, you know, you can have anything you want if you if you dream it into into being. Now, why would she was living in poverty? 
barefoot and pregnant in the in the gutter is literally how her life was. And, <laughs> and yes, she was telling me this. And she used to say to me, you know, if you stand up tall, which I've never really been able to do because I'm only five foot eight, but if you, if you stand up tall and look the world in the eye, you can get anything and achieve anything you want. And, wow. it, and when, you're, when you're sort of five, six years old, that stuff really sinks in. And, yeah. and, it, and, you, and it makes a big difference. So, uh, you know, she, she was behind everything like that. Wow. But, but uh, I think you're right. In, in some ways, I, I was doing it when I was younger because I... I found so much energy in nature. I, I was transported into the countryside out of nowhere. And and my father was a chain smoker. And, and living in that room, it was like being inside a balloon full of smoke. Um, and it was just choking and it made my eyes water. And I kind of got an allergy to it. So I would naturally escape outside to the fresh air, which, ta- which by comparison was like nectar. And so I just stayed, I spent all my time outside. And I, and I started to, to, to become, I know it sounds a little weird, and I'm not an esoteric or new age guy at all. I'm just a, I think you really man. are, Trevor, but you just don't <laughs> realize it. it. Yeah, I'm in denial. <laughs> yes. um, you know, but I, f- I felt a growing connection with nature, and yeah. to the point where, you know, my my siblings thought I, I was getting a bit weird. My my <laughs> my parents were worried that I was on drugs or something because I, I got I enjoyed touching trees and I enjoyed yeah. standing in a forest perfectly still until the animals became used to me and came up to me. Yeah, and, and that's an, a magical feeling for a kid. It is magical. So maybe from that aspect, I did start to learn earlier than, yes. than is normal for most people. I, I think absolutely. A- absolutely you did. A- and so you got into the Navy and you were in it for, I, th- I think you were in it for a very short period of time. Everyone <laughs> thought it was going to be your career. And it was like you were walking away from an excellent, you know, money and, of course, health insurance and a great pension. And you were, ri- you know, running up the ranks very quickly. You were at a very young age. But it wasn't making you happy, you decided. No, I felt very strongly I was in the, I was I was in the wrong place eventually. When when I when I always wanted to travel because of course growing up poor you're never able to travel. You don't do vacations and stuff like that. But my father had us go down to the village on a Monday and and rummage in the everyone else's trash cans for the Sunday newspapers. So we'd have free papers on a, on a Monday. I kind of want your childhood, you know? I mean, I thought I was poor, but you beat me on, on that well, front. We thought, that we thought everybody did that. No one told me that was oh, normal until I, I grew up. I just think it's you know? so cool. You guys had so much fun. So you'd bring home the Sunday paper. Well, and in, and in the back, there was always a, a supplement about vacations because in England, the weather's like it is up here in the Northwest. People are always going for summer vacations to get some sunshine. And so you'd see all these exotic... And I would send away for brochures. It was You could fill in a form, send it away, no postage necessary. And this, this magazine would arrive and it'd be full of glossy pictures. My mom and I used to flick through them and imagine one day going to those places. And, and so I built up this desire to travel. So, so when I first started out, I, I wanted to be a physician. But mm. unfortunately, in the UK in those, in those days, if you didn't have money behind you, it was impossible to do it. It's, there wasn't the retail infrastructure to work your way through university. Like the, There still isn't quite today in England, but it's getting easier. It's getting better. Um, and so it was, it was basically not possible. And so, but I had this desire to travel. And I wanted to be more than my parent, my father and his father being. Their lives were very similar. You could, you could superimpose them. They look almost identical, separated only by time. And I could see that my life might turn out the same way. I didn't want that. I wanted it to be a bit different. And, and, and I had this thirst to travel. So I, I got the idea of joining the Royal Navy, but as an officer. And in those days, it just wasn't done for somebody from working class or welfare class to even even be allowed near those pearly gates. <laughs> I mean, it's just not done. And so everybody, they laughed at me. They talked, tried to talk me out of it. Um, but my mother just believed that I could, I could do anything. And so she escorted me on three bus trips to the main town where there was a recruiting office. And the recruiting officer looked down his nose at me. And I remember him saying, you know, I don't want to prejudge you, young man, but we do have certain standards. And what he was saying was, you know, look how you're dressed. Yeah, that is not happening, right? <laughs> and I got up. I was embarrassed. I got out of the chair and I went to leave. My mum put her hand on my shoulder and she, she thrust Aww. me back in the chair. And she demanded an application form. Aww. And I think out of embarrassment for her, because she was very ill at the time, if the cancer had gone into her bones and she was hobbling, I, I think he let us do it. 
But somehow, by some synchronicity, that application form got accepted. They wanted to know more about me. I, I was then invited back to do four days of testing with all these right honorables and sirs and all these, these, these highfalutin people that I found that I had a prejudice about because I, I had been taught the three classes. They didn't care where I came from. They treated me like one of their own, and we had a great time, and I built really good friendships. So I realized that prejudice is probably as much in the welfare mind or the working class mind as it is. Isn't right. that interesting? I, mm. I, I find that very interesting. And then, I, and then they accepted my application at that point. I, I can't even remember what I did well. I remember I failed every single test. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was the, it was about character, not about – I think that the tests were designed to fail, and how do you handle that was one of the things. So um, – so then I got I got in, and of course the, the the first day there, I got on a train journey, uh, three hundred miles by myself. I got off the other end, got in, was basically thrown into the back of a of a Royal Navy truck with all my belongings, and then tossed out on the parade square at the at this Britannia Royal Naval College, which is a magnificent building on a hill overlooking the River Dart. It was just it was mind blowing from where I came from, and the first person that I turned I turned to my left, sorry, turned to my left, and the first person there was Prince Andrew. Wow! And he was starting the same day, wow. and I was a bit taken aback. But I realized he was just as nervous as I was, <laughs> if not more so. But wow. I couldn't think of a thing to say. And he wow. introduced himself unnecessarily as, right. as, hello, I'm His Royal Highness the Prince Andrews, if yeah. I can't tell, you know, if I didn't know. <laughs> and I think all I did was go, nah. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything to say. That is a great story. I love that. I love that. And we have a, a caller from New Jersey. Yeah, Janine has called in. She's, uh, I think, dug out from her uh, snow drift out there. So let's bring her on. Janine. Hello. Hi, everyone. No snow here. Oh, lucky. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm That's happy. Yes, Mr. Blake. Hi, Jean. So, so glad Jean. you're there. I got your books, Mary's books as well. <laughs> books. I have your books in Kindle, both of you, and then I had to buy the paperbacks, of course, <laughs> because I need to touch them and I give. I gave them away. I just purchased another copy of Mr. Blake's book for my daughter. Thank you. Thank you so um, much. I just hope she reads it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have a question about the first step. Um, how you deal with the negative vibes of family members? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. Actually, I got the, that exact question twice yesterday, once by email and once on a radio show last night. It's a big issue. Um, the, the, the key thing is, is that you, the, as we were talking earlier, the brain works more like a muscle than we realize. So, and the, way, the reason it does that is that your neurons connect to outside stimuli and and the, and the more negative and the more fearful usually the more powerful that is so it, so it really connects to it so you have to break that connection now it's it's easier to say than it is to do so so what you have to do is when you're around family you have this negative vibe or they're always complaining or they they like to watch negative films on tv or tv shows you have to get away from that environment it's, i don't think it's enough to sit there and think differently i think you have to break the connection sufficiently to get out of the room and the unfortunate side of that is that you you start to appear weird to your family members, which happened to me. They start to look at you differently as if, okay, you know, does he think he's better than us? Uh, uh, you know, is he is he going a bit nerdy, a bit weird? And unfortunately, that's the only your life is at stake if you don't do that. So you, so even though you love them dearly, you have to break that connection right. in, in some way. Right. Uh, and and the the ultimate thing is sometimes I'm afraid you have to switch it off completely if if it follows you. Like a, like a stray dog sometimes, you've just got to say, go home. And you, and you have to put separation between you. I, I found something diff, slightly different happened perhaps in, in that I stopped getting engaged with my father and my brother's negativity. They were into things that, that were, were extremely negative. And, and because I loved them, I behaved in a way that made me, that endeared me to them rather than push me away from them. So, so I was sort of an accessory to the fact, if you like, <laughs> to, to their crimes of negativity. And, but, but what I found was when I started to, to separate that connection, they let me go, 
And I really never had to make the decision to let them go. It just naturally happened. And we became a bit distant. And I'm afraid that is one of the, in three simple steps, I do say, you know, you must make a commitment to change because change means all kinds of disturbances in your life. And this is one of the major ones in that when you do get on with your life and you take control, unfortunately, sometimes it does mean you have to say goodbye to people who are currently part of your environment in the quicksand. Right. And if you don't have the courage to do that, you'll be back in the quicksand with right. you. Right. You know, and from a spiritual perspective, sometimes the f- people we share our, our DNA with, they're not our real family anyway. You know, they are from that historical sense. But from our soul pod, from our true essence of who we are, it could be c- people that are not related to us. Right. And then right. we free ourselves up to make relationships with those people who really know how to honor us and support us. And, and the relationships are actually actually become less effort. They're just a joy when you connect with people who are part of your soul pod or your true essence of who you who you are. And I think that makes it easier to love your family then too, because you get what you need and you don't have these expectations from the right. people who don't know how to be there with you. I, I find that I find um, you become less judgmental once yeah. you make the decision to let them take their own path and you take your own your path. And, and the guiding the guiding quote for me was something I, I read or heard uh, a number of years ago, and it sort of it sort of got me over that little hump. And that was that the the true measure of freedom is to be independent of the good opinion of other people. It's a very important I agree. I absolutely there. agree. So if you no longer seek everyone's approval and love, and let them make a decision about whether they're going to do that for you, it's very freeing. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to like n- not care what anyone says about you. Ultimately, good or bad, you know, just to be in that essence of you're comfortable with who you are and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks, even the positive things, just to be in your own being. Yeah, it's not easy to do. You've experienced it. I can, I know. Um, you know, I've experienced it in different ways many times and mm-hmm. it's not easy to do. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's it's a lifelong um, job. Thank you so much, Janine, for calling in. We really yeah. appreciate your question. I had a question on step two, if it's possible. Okay, sure. In um, about a minute? Yeah. I have a meditation practice that I do very, very early in the morning. Now, how do I integrate step two um, after my meditation or uh, later in the day or before my meditation? Well, well if I mean, you'd be ending up getting up at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you'll, you'll go to bed half an hour before you get up. Um, the, the, the taking quiet time is aimed to help you get great ideas. So if you're in desperate need of a great idea, then taking quiet time becomes more important, I think, than meditation. Because you can do meditation any time of the day because it's for a different benefit. It's it's more for enlightenment and health, I think. Um, so so because I'm biased towards taking quiet time, I'd say make that the priority. Um, but if medita- if you're finding benefit for meditation, you know, it's not against the law to take quiet time another time during the day. It's just more diff- You just don't get the same benefit. Right, from the neurons. But so long as you do it. Yeah, it great question. Matter. Thank you so much. We appreciate you um, calling in. And so uh, we're, we're asking for, of course, the snow in Virginia to quiet down because we're heading there. We're heading to that beautiful part of the area. I'll be in Asheville, North Carolina on March 19th, and then we'll be in Richmond, Virginia at the Alchemist Bookstore on March 20th, at the Alchemist Bookstore on March 21st, then the Virginia Festival of the Book on March 22nd. So we're asking for all of those, sending positive energy to that part of the area so that we don't have any more, what, it's a state of emergency right now because of the snow in that part of the area. And thank you so much, Trevor. Where can people find you next? You're on radio shows, television. You have finished your second book, and it's going to be Release sometime, hopefully this year. Hopefully this year, yes. Oh, lovely. Congratulations. Uh, so, um, my movements are tracked on 3simplesteps.com. Lovely. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide these days. <laughs> yeah, Facebook, Twitter. People can find you anywhere, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, so. Well, thank you so much. We hope you'll come back on the show again. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Time goes so fast with this It show. does. Thank you, everyone. Joyful blessings wherever you are in the world. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.